Hey folks, welcome to the Friday Show here on the Culture Jack Podcast. I'm your host for the day. For the day? Not, not all day. I will take as much of your day as is needed for you to finish this podcast, but no more, not a second more, unless some of the thoughts and some of the ideas that I that I give, that I elaborate on, that I kind of pontificate on myself in this podcast, leave you looking for answers as well, I guess. I don't know. It's not that kind of podcast. It's not something where it's going to be some kind of great existential quandary that I'm going to leave you with. No, today on the Friday show, we are going to talk about, as promised, the public domain. Last week on the show, we talked about video game archival and what it meant to preserve these digital masterpieces well into the future. And part of that preservation came into effect when we were talking about uh, public domain. Like after so long, a game will no longer be exclusively owned by the studio or developer or publisher that published that game. But eventually, after so many years, it's a lot of years too, it will uh, it'll move into the public domain. And so people will be able to have access to those characters and the things. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about that. But before we get into the show, did you catch the last episode of Monday Madness here a few days ago? It was a wonderful episode. And it, among other things, there was a, a large focus on Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes and kind of their impact on the movie industry as a whole, and also their their passion for the craft and how it's so cool that these two regular schmoes can go out and make movies on a shoestring budget and then become so popularized that their their movies, I, I guess, just become iconic American classics. So uh, he, t- he talked about that. He talked about a couple other things. First, I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Smith himself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to slow down and relax. My heart, my heart rate has risen. My, uh, my sweat has started to, to form on my, on my forehead, on my face and my armpits and my groin. And I'm just becoming so discombobulated. And that's not right. That's not fair to you. (laughs) You've waited all week. For the Friday show, and here it is, and here I am just messing it up for you. So, Kevin Smith, what I want to say about Kevin Smith to add to the conversation from Monday is I, the, the thing that I enjoy most about Kevin Smith, he's very funny and he makes great movies, and his, his comedy and his writing are one thing brilliant. But the thing I enjoy about Kevin Smith so much is that he is a he's a fan. He's a fan especially of the stuff that we like here on this show, the comic book movie stuff specifically. He's not as much into the video games as we are, but he loves that and every time he talks about him, I've seen him do a couple reviews. I saw him do a review for Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, not Homecoming, Far From Home, and I saw him do a review for The Avengers Endgame. And he just, he talks about these products. He talks about these um, different intellectual properties with such passion and tears in his eyes that he never thought he'd be able to witness such spectacle 
as all of the chaos that ensued in the in the climactic final act of Endgame. He never thought he'd get to see Spider-Man and Nick Fury be on the same screen together due to a lot of the licensing issues that we've talked about before that have been going on for so long. And so just him him talking about these things it it drives me to just love them that much more because if they have made such an impact on such a prolific story writer himself i just think you know all the stuff stuff that it's given to me as well and it's given to given to all of us also on the monday madness show he talked a little bit about the Zack Snyder Justice League trailer that was dropped and it had a touch of the Joker in it. So we had previously seen screenshots. We've seen some sneak peeks of the Joker, but we got to see him interacting in this case with Batman and a lot of people on the internet. We were very excited because he dropped the meme. We do live in a society that was from the Joker movie with, uh, Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. And so a lot of people were very excited that <clears throat> they they dropped that very subtle reference. I I had some hesitations about the Joker because I was like, well, for, if it's the same character playing the same Joker from the Suicide Squad, it's not right then that they get to reinvent the Joker for the Justice League. It's not it's not fair. They should have to stick with the garbage that they committed to earlier on in the universe. But seeing where he has appeared has has changed my mind in that he is he is in that nightmare scene that Batman had the vision of in Batman versus Superman, which makes me think we are going to get a whole lot more of that particular, you know, desert super tactical Batman that we saw that we saw in that Batman versus Superman vision provided by the Flash, we think, but was never really fleshed out because Zack Snyder wasn't allowed to to deliver his perfect vision of this the film, which we are going to get in all of its 4-hour glory here soon. Also on the Monday Madness show, he talked about the controversy surrounding Mandalorian star Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune, or I guess who played Cara Dune in The Mandalorian. And she said them some things on, on Facebook. Was it Facebook? Twitter, probably. That's where it, most of this stuff happens. It doesn't happen on, on Facebook often. It's usually a tweet that they say. And I don't have much to add. Uh, Anthony covered it very well on Monday. All I want to say is we can draw some comparisons to how celebrities react to controversy or, or you know, self-made controversy and the different outcomes that that reaction itself can have. And the comparison that I want to draw to is if you remember a few years back, there were some people doing some deep dives into one director James Gunn's past tweets. And they found some very offensive tweets by James Gunn, and they blew them up. And these tweets went viral, and because of it, Disney decided they were no longer going to work with James Gunn. James Gunn's reaction, if you recall, was one of um, conciliatory grace. 
he said, you know, I said some things. I was trying to be funny, but I respect the decision. I appreciate everything that uh, Disney and Marvel has, has given me, and I respect everyone that I worked with, and I'm sorry I've let you down, and um, thank you for everything. Uh, good day. And that was it. And then he stayed quiet. And he was quiet, and the fervor around him died down. And he was rehired by Disney. Once the virility of, <laughs> not virility, because <laughs> that would mean it's very strong, the viral nature of this outrage around James Gunn had died down, he was able to come back and continue producing for Disney. And he's now, you know, going to be directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, not to mention the offers that he got for work outside of that, where he is, um, you know, working on the, the Suicide Squad that we're all going to get to see on HBO Max this year. I'm very excited about that. And then you contrast his reaction and the events that his reaction led to and the good graces that it was received in because of the good graces that it was given to that of Gina Carano's, who has already spoken out several times against cancel culture and how terrible Disney is and how they are capitulating to a loud minority. And all of this is contrary to the reaction that James Gunn had. And so it goes to show you, times are fickle, man. Outrage does not last. It is a fire that burns hot, but it burns brief. It is not something that smolders and goes on. Your, your outrage will be replaced. Your controversy will be overshadowed by a new one. And if you just act with a modicum of dignity and grace, you'll get those good things that you want, I'm sure. But I guess she's already been picked up uh, to be a producer for, I can't remember what the name of his thing is, but uh, there's a political activist, Ben Shapiro, who does political commentary, a lot, a lot of it online, I believe. Uh, but she's been picked up to produce a show for his production studio. So I, I wish her the best. I hope she, I hope she does well, but um, yeah, it's all about your reaction. You got to react in a, in a good way. Uh, one more thing from Monday Madness and Anthony mentioned it and it just gave me just nostalgia ran up my spine and gave me goosebumps. Twisted Metal is getting a movie. I am so excited for this because the best part of Twisted Metal was the story. Yet yeah, granted, it had incredible car derby gameplay where you'd shoot missiles and lay uh, down freeze traps and all other kinds of things. But the great, the great action aside, the, the story was really where Twisted Metal shined. And for those of you that don't remember or those of you that are too young to have ever experienced Twisted Metal in its glory. Twisted Metal was a a car derby tournament where competitors would have these modded cars that were oftentimes the the look, the aesthetic and the power set were based on <laughs> based on their career choice. So, you know, the the cop drove a cop car and he had like a little electricity beam. There was like a rich guy that drove a car that went through wall. Maybe he was dead. I'm not sure. There's another character uh, who was like the grim reaper who rode a motorcycle and shot skulls. But all of these different characters had a wish, a reason 
that they entered the Twisted Metal Tournament. Because at the end of the tournament, the winner would receive their wish granted by a character named Calypso. Now, Calypso, he was a fiendish man. He was not a man who really honored the intention of your wish. So if you think like uh, a monkey's paw sort of situation, uh, similar to the the wishing stone or um, Maxwell Lord in Wonder Woman 1984, it comes at a cost. You don't just get what you want. You get what you want, but it's in some perverted way. So it's not in a way that um, you, you really you really want it. Like, for example, the police officer, if I remember correctly, from the first game, he wished that he there was no more crime where he was. He wished that that crime was gone. So Calypso said, your wish is granted. And he ejected the officer into space. And so that was that was the fulfillment of his wish. And then in Twisted Metal 2, the younger sister of the of the police officer, she entered the tournament. And if you won with her, her story, she wished for the same thing. So she went to space, found her brother rescued him but she had installed rocket boosters because she knew calypso was going to mess with her so there's always all these really cool stories and i think they could do it incredibly incredibly well it'd have to be a lot of cg and it'd have to be cg done well with vehicles so maybe if you got some of the effects guys for like the fast and the furious movies they might be able to do a pretty good job in that okay so that's it for the monday man the show very good episode though so go check it out if you have not heard it Already Well, I mean, of course, finish listening to this episode, finish what you start, eat your vegetables, that sort of thing. But go check out Monday Madness when you're done. And speaking of this show, there's some some changes that are coming down the pipe and you're not going to like it, but you're absolutely going to love it. Um, I typically do this show in two parts and Anthony on Monday Madness typically follows that same format as well, where we do a section of news and we talk about things that are going on that are important in the arena of games and movies and comics, stuff that is interesting to us. Oh, by the way, I think uh, the Mars rover just landed on Mars. Uh, Perseverance, is that the one? Regardless, that's really cool. We should talk about that. I didn't even think to include that in news, but that's big news. So typically two parts. We do a news segment and then we follow up with some, you know, some kind of prepared segment that we've done, something that interests us that we take a little bit deeper dive or look a little bit further into. And a lot of the times for me, I can, I can tell that my show is too much of a show. All of the stuff is exciting and engaging to me, and I love it. However, when I finally get to that event, to that discussion piece, like in this case, public domain is what I'm going to be talking about after news today, I've already, I've already gone on for 45, 50 minutes talking about the news, and I can't figure out how to cut that back. Like, I just... I just feel like I want to talk more about a thing. I can't just deliver you a headline and be like, well, this is a headline without telling you this is what it means to me, or this is what I think the implications are. And so I have to, I have to deliver and elaborate on those things a little bit more. And it finds me oftentimes going, oh my gosh, I've kept these people here so long. 
And I don't reconcile the fact in my mind that you can pause the episode and come back and finish it later. Like that, that's not even a thought to me. My thought is I need to get these people in and out as quickly and efficiently as possible. <laughs> but that's the thing about podcasting, right? I'm learning. I'm, I'm growing. I'm growing stronger by the day. Watch out. So in an effort to deliver you a show that I don't, I guess, internally feel rushed myself or feel like I'm rushing through particular segments of, I'm going to split off my news section and my deep dive section into a most likely a Thursday show for the news and a Friday show for whatever segment I have prepared for you. And so next week I intend to get into preserval, <laughs> preserval, preservation and archival of movies and television shows, just like I did with video games. And we're talking a little bit about the public domain here today. And so that's going to, I think, play into that a little bit more, but that will be exclusively what it is on Friday. And then on Thursday, you'll get all of my hot takes on the hot news of the week or in the amount of time that it's passed since, <laughs> since this news has gone up. Okay. I ha I have to tell you that I've been watching a show on Hulu. And this show has two seasons out already. It is called Dirt Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I didn't know this show existed. It has uh, the cast is Elijah Wood as Todd Brotsman, Samuel Barnett as Dirk Gently, Hannah Marks as Amanda Brotsman, Jade S Jade uh, Ashetti as Farrah Black and Fiona Duroff as Bart Curlish. So I've been watching this show. I just finished the first season. There's two seasons of it. And basically this guy, Dirk Gently, comes into this other guy's life, Todd Bronsman, and claims that he is a detective that works purely on speculation and gut instinct. He's not a great detective. And frankly, he's not that smart of a guy. And they get into all of these crazy hijinks together. Uh, Elijah Wood, far from being Frodo from the Lord of the Rings anymore, he uh, is a bellhop at a hotel where a murder takes place. And the murder, I guess I can't really tell you without spoiling the plot of the show. It's a great show, but there's spirit transfers in the show. There's maybe a touch of time travel. There's a little bit of... Um, I guess lost, lost glory. There's a secret organization. There is a development of superhuman beings. Oh, there is a woman in it who is an, uh, an assassin. I believe her, she's the Bart Curlish character, but she says that the universe will not let her get hurt. And she goes to kill people who she just feels like she needs to kill. So we've got a holistic detective and a holistic assassin as well. It is an amazing show. There's a, a group of uh, like spirit vampires who are called the Rowdy Three that they they go to places and then people with these holistic powers or energies, they suck the powers out of them. Oh, and then Amanda Brosman, his sister, has a um, <laughs> has a disease. It's a made up disease for the show where 
her nervous system makes her feel extreme pains. Like she's actually drowning or she's actually on fire or she's actually freezing to death. And maybe a little bit of a twist with Todd Brotsman as well. And then one character who may be living, uh, have their soul inside of a, a Corgi as well. It's a great show. I don't think I've spoiled too much. I mean, I've spoiled a lot, but none of it is in context. So you won't be able to, tell until you can tell but it's it's really good it's on hulu there's two seasons and i looked it up online and it looks like the uh final season has been uh next so we're not going to get a final season of um dirk gently's holistic detective agency all right all right that's enough of that that's enough of what i'm watching i'll tell you what i'm playing here shortly but uh we're going to move on to some movie news Maybe gaming news. I'm not sure entirely. Oh, hold on. I've got to I've got to open this right up. There we go. Okay. Because that's my gaming. My gaming news is one item. So I hope you weren't expecting a whole lot on games today. Uh, the first bit of uh, news is we've got a trailer from the Mortal Kombat movie. This looks awesome. This is coming. When is this coming out? April? I think this is coming out in April and it, it doesn't look as cheesy as the old Mortal Kombat movie, but moreover, the special effects are on point. The characters they've nailed. It looks like the CG animation for Goro is on point. They've got all the big players. They've got, uh, Raiden, uh, they've got, Scorpion, they have Sub-Zero. I don't think Johnny Cage makes an appearance, but Sonya is in there. Liu Kang is in there. Goro, like I said. Uh, what is that What is that one gal's name? She uses the... Mm, gosh. Kung Lao. I believe he might be in there as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of characters in there, and they go do yourself a favor and watch the trailer for Mortal Kombat. Another piece of uh, interesting entertainment news is Netflix announces Wednesday from Tim Burton. It's a live action spinoff of the Adams family. So uh, Wednesday, if you remember, she was the young girl. She was very morbid in those movies. But uh, let's see what they, they've got to say about it. It's described as a coming of age comedy. The series will see everyone's favorite maiden of the macabre graduate into a full fledged leading lady. So let's see, this uh, Teddy Basili, director of original series at Netflix, said in a statement, what does is, what is, uh, Teddy sound like? He's adorable. He's like a teddy bear. So he sounds like this. When we, when we first heard Algo and Miles Miller's pitch for Wednesday, we were struck like an arrow from a crossbow right in our hearts. They nailed the tone, the spirit, and the characters, but gave us a fresh way into this story. The upcoming eight-episode series is a sleuthing, supernatural-infused mystery charting Wednesday's years as a student at the peculiar Nevermore Academy. Wednesday's attempts to master her emerging psychic ability thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town and solved the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships with the strange and diverse student body. 
We then get the call that visionary director and lifelong Adams Family fan Tim Burton wanted to make his television directorial debut with this series. Tim has set a history of telling empowering stories about social outsiders like Edward Scissorhands, Lydia Dietz, and Batman. And now he brings his unique vision to Wednesday. Their spooky classmates at Nevermore Academy. <laughs> I didn't think I could do that for too much longer. I didn't think I could do it for as long as I did. No surprising. I surprised myself. Who knew that that character was living inside me? Not me. We had a trailer for Cruella. So it's a new Disney movie in one of the live action. It's it's like the Maleficent movie where it's kind of before she was a bad guy. This is what she was about. And I don't know if they're trying to make her a sympathetic character or not, but it's played by uh, Emma Stone as she plays the, the lead role as Cruella. Emma Thompson is also in it. So I was joking with my brother and he was like, what are their? There are only Emmas in this movie? They only cast Emmas. So maybe they did. I don't know. I haven't looked at the full casting list. You know, I doubt it, but they might have. That might have been fun. So a lot of people online are talking about this trailer and talking about this version of Cruella like this is Disney's Joker. Like she is tormented. She's wicked. She's a little bit crazy. She's got black and white hair. There's in one scene in the trailer, she comes into this ballroom. And there's three Dalmatians and, and they're growling at her. They look so mean. So that's obviously justification for Cruella to become a puppy murderer in the future and, and steal people's pets to make into, uh, you know, fancy coats. In other HBO Max news, Constantine is getting a reboot. Um, it looks like a series. No. Developing a stream. It is a streaming series. And it's going to be done by uh, Bad Robot, who have also announced a Justice League Dark series. And uh, they say, well, it's way too early to know for sure. It'll probably not stretch to assume that the two shows maybe linked in some capacity. So I was a big fan, not necessarily of the Keanu Reeves Constantine movie, though an okay movie in its own right. I really enjoyed the Constantine on the CW who crossed over with the Green Arrow. And was it the Green Arrow? Maybe it was the Flash folks. But regardless, he was he was an amazing, amazing Constantine. Marvel Studios announces new Disney Plus documentary series, Assembled, will kick off with WandaVision. Now, I saw a schedule of the Disney Plus shows that are releasing this year. And it looks like they've got it booked up through every week with the shows, the movies, and then this show, which is going to end up being at the end of every one of their series or every one of their movies as well, maybe even, that's kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the show. And so it's pretty it's pretty cool that we're going to get this packed back to back thing, but we're still not getting Black Widow released onto Disney Plus, which is what the fans want. I can tell you that. I don't know why I said my name like that. And it wasn't even my name. It was just like what my pronoun? No. That's that's not even right. I'm losing it, man. I'm losing it. Um, yeah, the first episode that's going to stream on March 12th, right after WandaVision. 
And then the last little bit of uh, movie news is Joe Russo shares an update on Disney's live action adaptation and teases franchise potential of Hercules. So I didn't even know this. I didn't even know that Joe Russo was making a Hercules movie. But Hercules is one that if they get the tone right, like Aladdin, I thought they got the tone right. They did Aladdin well. If they get the tone right of Hercules, I think they can do it well. And especially because there's not too too terribly many animals that they need to animate in Hercules. So I think... I think it'll be good. I think it has, it stands the chance to be good. And you know what I think about live action adaptations? I don't care for them at all. So the only thing that I wanted to talk about as far as uh, gaming goes today is we had a Nintendo Direct. And by the time you're listening to this, it'll be a couple days old now. But just wanted to talk about some of the big announcements So we've got a Splatoon 3 that's going to uh, be released sometime in 2022. Now, if you haven't played the Splatoon games, they're kind of a different take on an arena shooter. So if you think Halo and you think like a 4v4, but all of these little characters have little paint guns and they cover the stage in paint. And then if you have your color paint, you can turn into a squid. And you can dive down in the paint and swim around in it. And then, you know, use that to, like, flank your enemies and the like. It's an alright game. It's so frustrating when you try and paint an area and then someone else paints over it. Uh, Also announced was The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD coming to the Nintendo Switch. I never played Skyward Sword, but I heard it was hot garbage from a lot of people and... This is not the Breath of the Wild 2 or the Breath of the Wild sequel that we were all waiting for and anticipating with this announcement. Some people, my brother exclusively, think that they're going to announce this uh, Breath of the Wild 2 sometime later this year and then they're going to release it in March, similarly to how they released uh, the original Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, like they did in 2016. Oh, was it that far ago? Five years? Maybe. Maybe six years. 2015? I don't recall. Mario Golf. Now, this is interesting because I have never been excited about a golf game. But I watched this preview. And Mario Golf has some elements where, you know, it's the normal golfing thing. and You account for the wind and you account for the terrain and that sort of thing. But also in this game... It looks like there is a mode where you were golfing against other people. And as soon as you hit your ball, you can take off and run down, run down the green and then try and hit your ball again. So it's like a race. And then you can get power up items to also run faster, jump higher, hit harder. Maybe I don't know, but it looks so weird and so cool. And I hate it and I'm not going to get it. Uh, Some Nintendo uh, character character skins for your animal crossing island no one cares anymore the pandemic's almost over so (laughs) animal crossing was huge for the pandemic like a lot of people wanted to get out of their own life and into a life of a little critter on an island fall guys is coming to nintendo switch and i actually saw a tweet in a group 
that I'm in on Facebook that said that it was coming to Xbox as well. Now, don't don't quote that as gospel because I hadn't looked it up beyond that, but it looks like we're getting Fall Guys for the Nintendo Switch and for the Xbox. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is getting some expansion stuff. Uh, indie Darling Outer Wilds is coming to the Switch. I'm, I'm reading all of this off of a Verge article, so you can Google the same Verge article if you want to look at... Uh, Look at these game trailers, announcements, and such. No More Heroes 3 is coming out on August 27th. Now, No More Heroes 3 looks bizarre and very interesting. And the bizarre concepts that I'm talking about mostly in this game include... It's it's kind of genre-bending. Like, it goes into one genre to, an, to the next. I saw a segment where it was... Like a, like a horror genre where you're in a spooky classroom and it's first person. Then there's also like fighting genres. And then you can pick cards to attack characters. And the main hero is fighting an alien. I think it's an alien that he raised and then helped escape from the planet when he was younger. Am I imagining that or dreaming that? I think I saw that in an earlier trailer somewhere. Monster Hunter Rise is going to be out on March 26th. Stub the Zombies is getting a port. Neon White. Oh, that was a weird one. That one had a bunch to do with, like, cards. Like, you could... It's a first-person shooter, but you could make your attacks based on these cards. Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, Battle for Neighborville. Uh, got a reveal trailer. Triangle Strategy from Square Enix. Now, for old-school gamers, you'll remember in... Gosh, I don't know, 1998, there was a game called Final Fantasy Tactics that came out on the PlayStation. And it was a top-down, it was set on kind of like a playboard like you would for any tabletop board game that you had at home. And the tiles, you could move your character from tile to tile. They could move a certain number of spaces. They could commit to a certain number of actions or reactions. A wonderful strategy game, like a wonderful tactics game. And there's been a lot of knockoffs since, but none of them have really held up to that original Final Fantasy Tactics game. Not to mention, the story was just great. Like, I I haven't played a Final Fantasy with a better story, with more intrigue. And if you put me on the spot and ask me to tell you what my favorite Final Fantasy game is, I will tell you it's Final Fantasy Tactics. Nine times out of ten. Strike that, I'm a liar. Ten times out of ten. So, right now it's called Project Triangle Strategy. But I would not be surprised if this was a successor to Final Fantasy Tactics. And there's been pseudo-successors to Final Fantasy Tactics before to include Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced, I think it was, but it just it didn't do the same thing. There was an announcement trailer for a game, Star Wars Hunters, which is, I guess, it's an online shooter, maybe, not, maybe Battle Royale, maybe Arena uh, shooter. Knockout City, a dodgeball game, World's End Club, Ninja Gaiden Master Collection. I played a, the remake of Ninja Gaiden when it came out on the Xbox, the first 3D version of Ninja Gaiden. And one of the aspects that they copied from the old Nintendo game, Nin Ninja Gaiden, was the respawning enemies. And so 
Ninja Gaiden was kind of like the Resident Evil games in that it had a fixed camera angle and you came into a screen, you would then be in that in that angle. And then you went to another screen and it'd be a different angle that you'd have to kind of orient yourself to. It didn't have the, the battle tank controls where you, you know, up was forward no matter which direction you were facing, which was incredibly disoriented, disorienting, disorient. I was very disoriented in the Resident Evil games because of that. Excuse me, allow me to straighten my mustache. <laughs> but this one. As soon as you go to a different camera angle and then come back to that previous angle, the enemies are back there again. So you cannot make a mistake. You cannot backtrack unless you are in the mood to fight battles that you've already fought over and over again. And so this is, I think, the first three games of the Ninja Gaiden collection, which is which is great. That's, I mean, I don't buy many games for the Switch anymore. I don't buy many games, period. I've got Game Pass, so... I get a lot of my games for free, um, but if I were to buy a game, well, then it might it might just have to be Ninja Gaiden, unless they do it on the Xbox too. Maybe I'll wait wait a year or two. <laughs> Dustin, you cheap bastard! Wait for Game Pass. That's the move right there. That's the way to do it. Okay, let's talk about public domain. I know you guys are very interested in this. Maybe you're not interested. Maybe this is not a good topic to talk about at all. But I thought it was very interesting because I, I'm i developing things. I'm developing a internet persona with every episode of Culture Jacked I do. I have written a short book that I hopefully will get published here at some point in the near future. And... It's interesting to me because after I am long gone and dead, what's going to be done with that work? And all of my family has either perished, lost interest, or pursued other things. What's going to be done with my work? Who's going to, to read it? Who's going to see it? Who's going to share a camaraderie over a, a piece of art that I've created? But I'm no longer here to say, give me, give me, your mo- give me my money for that art. And the answer is the public domain is. So I found this uh, fair use article uh, on Stanford EDU talking about the public domain. So I'm going to read a couple snippets out of it. The term public domain refers to creative materials that are not protected by intellectual property laws, such as copyright or patent laws, or trademarks. The public owns these works, not an individual author or artist. Anyone can use a public domain work without obtaining permission, but no one can ever own it. Interesting, huh? I mean, it's interesting to me. So there's there's a bunch of stipulations when it comes to public domain stuff, and even stuff that is in the public domain can then be copyrighted again. So the example that they give, you are free to copy and use individual images, but copying and distributing uh, distributing the complete collection may infringe on what is known as the collective works copyright. So collections of public domain material will be protected if the person who created it has used uh, creativity in the choices and organization of the public domain material. 
This usually involves some unique selection process. For example, a poetry scholar compiling a book, The Greatest Poems of E.E. E. Cummings. And so that's crazy because if, if you repurpose it in a new way, a new copyright, a new trademark, a new patent could be developed on it based exclusively on the way that you used it. And one simple way to think of it is think of the old, you know, like Brothers Grimm fairy tales and how uh, many old fairy tales have been adapted into Disney movies and Disney television shows. So there is a version of Snow White. There is a version of uh, Mowgli. There is a, there's a version of Cinderella that you can use and make your own stories about. But they have changed it in just such a way that the friendly, happy, singing, animal-loving Snow White that is featured in the Disney movie is Disney's. And so now a new copyright exists. And we'll talk a little bit about Disney while we talk about this public domain stuff because they've caused some problems. I'm starting to think that Nintendo and Disney are like brother and sister or, you know, really close friends because Nintendo acts the way that Disney acts in the movie section in the video game section. So there are four common ways that works will arrive in the public domain. Uh, one, the copyright has expired. Uh, two, the copyright owner failed to follow copyright renewal rules. Three, the copyright owner deliberately places it in the public domain, known as a dedication, or the copyright law does not protect this type of work. And so when we were talking last week about video games, it's public domain and video games is a very new animal and it doesn't really exist yet because the years that have to pass for a work like a book or a movie or a soundtrack or a song to go into the public domain right now, I believe is set currently at 96 years, 96 years since it's, since it's publication. So as of 2019, uh, Copyright has expired for all works published in the United States before 1924. In other words, if the work was published in the U.S. before January 1st of 1924, you are free to use it in the U.S. without permission. These rules and dates apply regardless of whether the work was created by an individual author or group of authors or an employee um, because of legislation passed in 1998 no new works fell into the public domain between 1998 and 2018 due to expiration. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a terrible cocaine habit. No, my nose got a little stuffy there and I was feeling like I was sounding a little nasally. Was I? I don't know. I don't know. If I was, I apologize. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it live. We're doing it live. Uh, so for works published after 1977, if the work was written by a single author, the copyright will not expire until 70 years after the author's death. If the work was written by several authors and published after 1977, it will not expire until 70 years after the last surviving author dies. 
copyright protection always expires at the end of the calendar year. So it doesn't matter when the, the work was published. It's always at the end of the year. There's a renewal trapdoor. Thousands of works published in the United States before 1964 fell into the public domain because the copyright was not renewed in time under the law in effect then. If a work was first published before 1964, the owner had to file a renewal with the copyright office during the 28th year after publication, and no renewal meant a copyright loss. So dedicated works... Um, if whenever you review a work and you see words like this work is dedicated to the public domain, then it is free for you to use. Sometimes an author deliberately chooses not to protect a work and dedicates the work to the public. This is such a cool concept to me, like the, the concept of public domain. And some people may get riled up about it, like big business, like Disney. They may not want Mickey Mouse to, to be public domain. Even though he's getting ready to in a few years. But they, their contribution to art, to the fanciful imaginations of children and adults alike across the globe, will be there and available long after the Disney Corporation perishes. Well, I mean, that is assuming that our historical archives are what they should be and that, you know, the world's not just melted by by a exploding sun before we find a way out of the solar system. That's beside the point. Uh, the type of dedication is rare and unless there's express authorization placing the work in the public domain, do not assume that the work is free to use. Now, I haven't published my book, but I feel like when I do, after I make a, my sufficient significant fortune from the book, I will put it into the public domain. I want to see what other creations can be, can be, uh, I guess, taken or attributed to my work that can be added onto my work. Someone that's maybe smarter than me, better than me at writing or prose or poetry or art can make something beautiful out of something that I think is pretty darn good in the first place. And so I think a dedication would be in my future if, you know, everything falls in place, right? An additional concern is whether the person making the dedication has the right to do so. Hmm. Only the copyright owner can dedicate a work to the public domain. Sometimes the creator of the work is not the copyright owner and does not have the authority. If you're in doubt, contact the copyright owner to verify the dedication. Uh, so copyright does not protect certain works. Uh, there are some things that it doesn't protect to include uh, the titles of books or movies or short phrases such as make my day. So a copyright protection also doesn't cover facts, ideas, or theories. These things are all free to use without authorization. So short phrases like show me the money or beam me up are not protected under copyright law. So you can use those in your works. Uh, but short phrases that are used as an advertising slogan could have potential trademarks and so aren't necessarily public domain. And it doesn't say it expressly, but it sounds like trademarks as well have a time limit on them. They have a renewal 
renewal process on them that uh, they too will fall in the public domain. They talk about uh, chapter headings uh, and book titles that, you know, maybe if you have a chapter that shares the same book title as someone else, is that copyright infringement? And this author says, no, it won't protect the book book title. Trademark law only protects book titles when used on a series of books. And then they talk about laws. Are laws public domain? And I didn't even think about this, but there are publishers of laws that actually hold the copyright claim to the wording in the law itself. And so um, that's mostly for state and local laws. Usually federal laws move into the public domain immediately. Um, the copyright law does not protect ideas. It only protect, protects the particular way an idea is expressed. So what is the difference between an idea and an expression? In the case of a story or movie, the idea is really the plot in its most basic form. You know, the hero goes to rescue the princess. But when you put a very specific plot together and you say, the the sword wielding warrior link goes to rescue princess zelda you cannot then use link and princess zelda in your work but you could use the idea of the hero going to rescue uh, the princess what is the merger doctrine i'm not going to get into this all, all i wanted to do was kind of get a basic idea of what public domain is and why it's important when it comes to changing works. Now, Anthony and I have been on the internet for a while and we've had many creative ventures. And so both he and I have dabbled into what contributes to fair use of another person's artistic endeavors. And if something is in public domain, you don't have to worry about that. You can repeat it, replicate it, duplicate it as much as you want without fear of repercussion from copyright law trying to say too many words at too many times. Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about Disney because Disney, uh, let's see, where is it? Mickey mouse right now is set to enter the public domain in 2024. This is the third time that the cartoon has been on the verge of, of losing its copyright protection. The first time came in the 1970s. So this is a, an article from mentalfloss.com if you're interested in some extra reading because I'm not going to go through the whole article. But uh, copyright terms only lasted for 56 years in the 70s. That meant every book, song, movie made in 1923 was scheduled to lose its protection status in 1979. And then Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse... That would happen to him in 1984. But in, in 1976, lobbyists working for, for Disney and companies like Disney got Congress to extend the statute to 75 years, keeping all works made after 1923 from becoming public domain until 1998 or later. Uh, and then in 1998, they were set to expire again, and Congress extended them a second time this time to 95 years. 
Uh, so now the clock is ticking down for these older works once again as the 2018 expiration date of that copyright extension nears. Oh, this must be an old article. So I looked around. I couldn't find any article that said that they had got another extension. And part of the reason is because there is such a such a focus on with with all of the creation that is going on on the internet right now and today there's such a focus on fair use such a focus on public domain and the backlash that the government would receive had a, a company like Disney been successful in its renewal of a copyright or its extension of public domain laws there would have been I guess I guess quite a backlash to be frank and so it doesn't look like that happened and it looks like 2024 is when Mickey Mouse is going to become public domain and so you can use him you can make uh, a story you can write a erotic novel about Mickey Mouse and sell it on Amazon for your profit with their licensed character in 2024 Maybe wait till 2025. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Few works of art made it in the 1920s have taken the same path to corporate dominance as Mickey Mouse. Even other works made famous by Disney like Winnie the Pooh, first introduced in A.A. A. Milne's stories in 1926. Winnie, po Winnie the Pooh is another one that is going to uh, expire. So, and as, as far as this show goes, it's... Uh, it's interesting because I have I have dreamed of having different characters interact in certain ways with other licensed characters. Like I, I have made my own fan fictions in my head and out of my head, if we're going to be honest, that has put the Power Rangers in the same universe as it's put uh, Pokemon in the same universe that's included a lot of my X-Men and my Marvel my Marvel fan favorite characters and put them all together in this sleuthing detective story that's led by Dick Tracy. Like there is so many possibilities to what fans could come up and you'd still want a Marvel branded character. You'd still want a Disney branded character because you know you are getting a certain I guess a certain level of quality with those brands, even if the character was in the, the public works. So uh, here's some things that should have entered the public domain in 2020 under the original copyright rule. So if in the 70s that law wasn't passed and in the 90s that law wasn't passed, in 2020 these would have been public domain. So we've got on the DC side of things... Superman-related characters, Batman-related characters, Aquaman-related characters, Green Lantern, Legion of Superhero-related characters, the Legion of Substitute Heroes and its founding members. I don't even know who they are. The Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man, The Chief, General Immortus, Flash-related characters, to include Ira West. Ira West, Flash's love interest. Justice League of America-related characters, Zook, Eclipso. In Marvel... The Avengers and its founding members and related elements. Spider-Man related characters. Fantastic Four related characters. Maybe it's not the Fantastic Four themselves. 
Hate Monger, Impossible Man, Molecule Man, The Mad Thinker, Super Scroll, Utau, The Watcher. Wow. Thor related characters, X Men related characters, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and his related characters as well. In animation, the Flintstones would have been public domain. Tennessee Tuxedo and his tails. The Funny Company, The Mighty Hercules, Rod Rocket. Oh, these are all old. So the thing that the thing that cracks me up about this is a lot of these shows, a lot of these series, a lot of these characters are older characters, obviously. 1923 is a long time ago. I can't help but think what a glorious time it will be in 2000, 2080 when all of the video games, all of the, all of the movies and series and characters and fantastic things that are being created today, I guess it wouldn't be in the 80s, it'd be in, in, 20, in 2092, 2086, I don't math good. But (laughs) in less than 100 years, all of these wonderful properties are going to be open to interpretation by other artistic individuals. And I think that is incredible. I think it's cool. Bugs Bunny. Let's see. His public domain. He's going to go into the public domain in 2035. Buck Rogers. Oh, He just went into the public domain in 2015. Superman. The copyright will begin to expire in 2033, and it's safe to say this one's going to wind up in court. Batman. And a lot of these make a lot of money for these studios, so I don't doubt that that last line was untrue, that we are going to see a litany of litigation to stop these league members from uh, leaving (laughs) the DC comic brand. We talked about it on another show where we were talking about Sherlock Holmes and talking about how that character was in the public domain, but only a certain portrayal of that character, the nasty, mean-spirited, insensitive Sherlock Holmes, not the nice, cuddly, sympathetic Sherlock Holmes. Public domain is sure an interesting thing. Captain America, when is he going to expire? 2036? But Bucky Bucky's later Winter Soldier... Okay, so Bucky Barnes is also going to enter the public domain in 2036, but his identity as the Winter Soldier wasn't implicit in the original comics, and that particular arc will be safe until the year... 2100 <laughs> I'll be long since gone in 2100 so I my my winter soldier erotica will not uh, I guess ever see the light of day no this is what I'll do I'll write it I'll hide it and I'll have someone publish in 2100 that's what I'll do look forward to that for all of you that are not born yet and are going to live to 2100 please look forward to um a cold, dark winter. A, <laughs> a winter soldier erotic novel by Dustin.
from Culture Jack fame. And then they'll be like, Culture Jack, what's that? And they'll be like, well, get out the old computer. We can hook it up to the old, the old internet that's buried underground. They've starved. They've starved for days to find it. I need to end the show. That's enough out of me. So, uh, that's, that's it for the Friday show. Uh, thank you for dropping by. Thank you for going down this rabbit hole of the public domain with me. I don't know if you learned anything. I hope, hope you did because I did and I hate it. I hate what I've learned. I hate that corporations have kept these intellectual properties from their original, the, the original artists, the original creators that have long since passed from us so we can make our erotic fan fictions. Why erotic fan fictions? Why are you hooked up on that? Why is that little brain worm dug deep into your head? I don't know. But, but gosh, if uh, we're not here to just bone and write about it, then what the hell are we doing? Come on. So tomorrow we're going to have another episode of the dissection of the latest episode of WandaVision. So this is Friday. So it's the Friday show. So WandaVision episode seven was out. Did you see it yet? Was I right from last week? Did you listen to that? But I do, I do a recap for these episodes every week on Saturday on today's episode. So stay tuned for that on Saturday. Uh, and then I hope you have a great weekend. And on the other side of your weekend, I hope you stay tuned because we're going to have another episode of Monday madness show up. Well, I'll let you guess which day that's on. Make sure uh, if you haven't already, leave us a review, especially on Apple podcasts, leave us a review, show us your support because the only way that our message can reach more people is if you tell the algorithm that you listen to this whole show and that you left a review talking about how unkempt my beard. I didn't even have time to comb my beard today. I was so excited to get this pot, like wearing a mask all day. And I got these weird kind of curls in the beard. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just record the podcast. They're not going to see my beard unless, you know, maybe I do some videos, put them on Facebook. What about that? Hmm? What about you see my weird beard then? You like it? I knew you would. So leave us a review. Also, you can get in contact with us at Culture Jack on Facebook and on Twitter. You can also send us an email if you want to join the conversation at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. But besides that, that's all we've got for the Friday show today. Have a good weekend. Be safe and cheers. That didn't end well. Let me try again. Have a good weekend. Cheers. <laughs> Oh, shoot.